Blog Talk Radio. What does it take to transform health throughout all our neighborhoods here in L.A. County? Well, we have to look at health differently. We need to recognize living conditions as health conditions, from hunger to homelessness. That's why, as the nation's largest community-inspired health plan, L.A. Care is more than just a card in your pocket. We're elevating health care here in the City of Angels. L.A. Care, for all of L.A. LACare.org. Addiction is fierce and relentless. 
It claims nearly 90,000 lives a year. Breaking free of addiction demands new thinking, unique therapies, unvarnished realism, and deep soul-searching. The clean three-phase approach integrates leading-edge clinical therapy into a highly powerful program aimed at permanent sobriety. An addict will look at this program and see right away that it's very different from traditional recovery programs, and they will see that it works. Today, we have our guest, Charles Robinson, who is the Clinical Director of Clean Recovery Centers in Tampa, Florida. We're going to explore this treatment center's special and innovative approach to recovery, and we hope, as you're listening to us today, that you will see fit to call in and ask Charles and and uh, the rest of us questions about anything you'd like to know about addiction and recovery, and we will do our best to respond. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really looking forward to having this conversation with you. Sounds like you guys got some really interesting stuff going on in Tampa. Yeah, we're having a good time. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, good work, very rewarding work. Um, helping people um, save their lives, you know, get back into life again, you know, because addiction pulls you out of that, you know, pulls you into a really dark place. Oh, so yeah. uh, our work is to try to turn the lights on again. Well, you've got some, um, you said it claims nearly 90,000 lives a year. Is that um, in the United States or do you know that's, I think that that's uh, in the in the United States. Um, yeah. The, the problem is that um, you know there's a lot of unreported deaths that are associated yeah. uh, drug addiction. That there's some dimension of it that may show up even in deaths that we're not even you know that counting as yeah. being related to drugs. But you know when you go deeper into it, it's you know a lot of it's related to drug addiction and alcohol abuse. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I think Charles, just about. Uh, Go ahead. I have a I have a question for Charles. Charles, would you say that the source of uh, addiction is is attributed to uh, a, a mental addiction or a physical or both? Well, I think that there are both dynamics that go on with people. I think sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people who get addicted. You know, we have talked about a little bit of uh, prescription drugs. A lot of people get addicted to prescription jobs for, you know, just the fact that they have pain. They may have, you know, gone in for surgery or yeah. they may have, um, you know, some chronic knee plant pain or back pain. And they just start taking uh, prescription meds normally, just like, you know, they were prescribed by the doctor. But then, you know, what happens is that it, you know, starts to... Uh, satisfy other aspects of their of their life. For example, it starts to help them feel more uh, relaxed in general. You know, in terms of just dealing with their emotions or their feelings, that the uh, drugs actually begin to satisfy a lot more than just the physical pain that it's uh, taking care of uh, for them. So that's when it's that's when the addictive cycle starts to intensify. Right. I was just uh, leading into my next question. I was going to ask: Do you feel that we all um, are candidates to be addicted to one thing or another, or is it a certain thing as an addictive personality? 
Well, I think we're all addicted, to be honest with you. Um, I think we all have some form of, and when we look at addiction in terms of going a little bit deeper into the, uh, you know, the structure of addiction, in essence, it's a way of uh, avoiding something. Um, And, you know, when you look at our culture in general, uh, where, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry that's geared around um, helping people deal with boredom, you know, deal with frustration, you know, deal with loneliness. Uh, When you look at all the um, efforts that's put towards that, you know, to help people distract themselves from what they're feeling or what they're dealing with, so... Uh, whether it's food, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, whatever it may be, um, you know, we we find things that, you know, distract us from, you know, the physical pain as well as what we call the psycho-emotional pain. Hmm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, so that, yeah. Means, that really means that, um, well, everybody can – you said – I think you said – Everybody has an addiction. Is that what did you say that? Charles? I think we all. I think that we all are, um, you know, addicted to something. You know that there is whether it's you know food, drugs, even if it's just distraction. A lot of us are addicted to finding a way not to deal with our feelings or deal with our emotions yeah. mm-hmm. or to be present in our lives. We're always looking for something to distract us from what we're feeling. And right. when we find things, whether it's TV or it's whatever it may be, you know, it could be, you know, drinking beer or, um, you know, eating certain foods or, you know, whatever. A lot, you know, most of us, we look for ways to find escape from what it is that we're dealing with in day-to-day life. You know, we have a lot of, that, yeah, yeah, and we have a lot of options in this culture. A lot of options and things that are distractions. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so um, that's, that's well, a, you go, go ahead. That's a, like a foundational issue. So there's like a foundational issue, and then you have someone that has something happen in their life. You know, like what I call the event. There's an event that takes place. For example, like the loss of a loved one, or um, you know, someone loses a job, or uh, is in a conflict with someone. So they have that extra drink, you know, they have that extra, you know, glass of wine or they take a, a couple of extra pills and they feel better. And in that moment, they give birth to a whole cycle that's very difficult to get out of. Oh, so yeah. they, so yeah. they give birth to a cycle in that moment. And what we try to do in our program is help people actually find the birthplace of their addiction, like where it actually started. Or where it was uh, given birth. Oh, that's an interesting thought. The birthplace of the addiction. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, the birthplace, for example, it may not even be your first time of drinking or using whatever you were using, but it's usually um, a moment in time where uh, it satisfies, like, multi-aspects of your life. In other words, it helps you to deal with your sorrow. It helps you to deal with your frustration. Um, it, it helps you, for example, you have someone who has underlining anxiety. They're just nervous and anxious because they have poor confidence in themselves or low self-esteem. And, um, you know, they, they take a drink before, like, they do a presentation 
and they feel better and they are able to do the presentation with no problem because the alcohol reduces the anxiety. It kind of takes the edge off. So what that does, in that moment, the person actually gave birth to, like, a pattern that they may find themselves in. Um, so that's that's where, you know, um, I really, it's called the Anchors Process, a process I developed in private practice years ago, um, to actually go back to the, to the birthplace, like where the addiction actually came online, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah well, help them. <clears throat> once, you, once you get someone there, what right. happens? Well, once they get there, we actually look at the, the event. In other words, what happened, time of day, time of year, who was there, you know, what all the circumstances mm-hmm. was like that was okay. in that particular event. We call that the event. Uh, and then okay. from that event comes messages. In other words, things that you said about um, that particular experience. In other words, you encoded that experience with conclusions like, you know, this is a way to this is a way to cope with stress. Would be okay. a message. This is a way all to right. cope with stress. And then there's the global message, which is this is always a way to cope with stress. So the mind takes uh, that message and makes it global. So then it, this is always a way to cope with stress. And um, then the I am statement would be the, you know, um, you know, I need I need. Um, you know, this in order to cope with stress or cope with mm-hmm. any, basically anything that's uncomfortable. Okay. So, so that becomes the cycle that people find themselves in. The anchor is the I statement. In other words, we it comes from a very general conclusion into a very specific, personalized um, perspective. You know, this is this is something I do. You know, like I do this in order to. Uh, to find relief from stress or anxiety or whatever. And it always works, and that's what keeps me going back to it. Right, it works. It, it, but the thing, right, it works temporarily. And most of us, you know, because, you know, we want what we want when we want it, you know, we want don't want to wait. So, you know, the choice of the little candy bar now, the big candy bar later, um, you know, we go for the little candy bar, which is to get that relief right now. Yeah, um, yeah. And you find something that works, I mean, you're going to keep going back and doing Well, after, the, after you guys get this down, there's something that you mentioned in your notes to us called the witness state. Can you say something about that? Yeah, the witness state is, um, is a place where people are able to, instead of, uh, I guess, escaping or checking out, the witness state is a state where people are able to be more an objective witness in their own life experience. Okay. Uh, like, for example, you may go to a therapist or you may go to a coach or whatever, and that person, because they're not emotionally, so emotionally involved in your life, they're able to be more of what's called an objective witness. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we teach people to do is to be a witness in their own life experience. Because, uh, in other words, have some space from their life where they can look at things and begin to take action from a different place. Most of us, because we're so caught up in life, we take life, um, you know, so seriously and we're so locked in it that we're not able to just have an aerial view of it. Uh, The witness state gives us an aerial view of life. So, therefore, people are able to make decisions 
from a place of awareness, you know, um, I call it from a place of inspiration versus mm-hmm. taking action from desperation. You know, usually... So <clears throat> it would be like I said to myself, wow, I'm getting really stressed in the last two days, and I'm right. starting to get anxious and more anxious, and this is the time I usually start to use. And right. so maybe I need to choose something else other than using right now, because if I keep going the way I'm going now, I can see myself moving towards making a call or finding somebody to give me a pill or have a drink or whatever. It works like that. Right, exactly. You can actually see that. Right, you, that's perfect. You actually see the whole process unfolding. You know, but most Come people on. are. Yeah, you can see it just happening. You can see yourself on that track. You know, as a witness. But like, you know, most people are not in that state, so they're just basically responding to their default settings. Mm-hmm. You know, their default yeah. settings. So they're like responding to the default. Gentlemen, let me jump in here real quick. I think we have another caller that may want to join us. Wow. Okay. Eight one three, you're on. Hello. Eight one three, do you want to say something? I guess not. We lost them. We lost them. Huh? Okay. Yeah. We try to we try to keep from losing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to ask a question, Lamont. If you don't have one, I want to go to this four agreements thing. That's interesting to me. You guys, you guys use the book, the four agreements. Yes, but we what's do. What's the that's name of that book? Program. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful work uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz, and uh, we've incorporated that as a part of our program, which is really been working. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you aware? Eight one three is trying to. Eight one three is trying to get in here, Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> Working hard. Yeah. Yeah. Eight one three. Are you back? Yes, I am. Oh, good. Oh, welcome. Well, well, welcome. <laughs> you had a question or a comment? Yeah. Uh, my name is Nick. Um, I'm over at Clean Recovery. Um, I've been working with Charles for about five months now. Um, and the man has completely changed my life. And um, his methods and the way that we've worked together has just been amazing. Um, I've been to treatment over about 20 times now, and the first time I ever met Charles, um, he told me, when are you going to get out of treatment, and how are you going to stay out? And um, he showed me the way. Um, And he's talking about the witness state, and I remember the first time doing a one-on-one with him. um, He's like, we need to get you back into your body. You've been out of it for a long time. And um, just his methods... um, He's truly just been a light in my life in every every way possible. Uh, my family's grown to love him, um, and I, I've grown to love him. Um, I went through a difficult time recently with a friend passing through this disease, and um, he definitely got me through it. You said your name is Nick? Yes. Nick, um, do you work with the four agreements? Um, has that part been part of your recovery? Yes, uh, when I first came in here, um, he uh, introduced me to the four agreements. And now, um, as a part of our morning routine, when we come into group, um, we talk about what agreement we're working on and how we're applying it into our life. And um, that's helped me break it down, break down the book in in almost like a simpler way um, Mm -hmm. and just put it in a practical application. He's taught me that it's all about practical application. 
Well, I, I don't want to lose you here, but I want to ask uh, Charles a question. Charles, could would you mind just saying what the four agreements are so that people listening will have an idea what we're talking about? Yeah, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz actually, um, you know, through his own inspiration, his spiritual awakening, um, came up with the four agreements. And uh, the four agreements is um, basically Toltec, you know, which are... Um, you know, ancient uh, teachers, I would say, you know. Um, and the the first agreement is um, always do your best. Um, the next one is don't make assumptions. Um, don't assume anything. Uh, the next one is don't take anything personally. And the next one, um, you know, is uh, another one is, you know, actually uh, be impeccable with your word. Um, the, the four agreements, I think, you know, we've incorporated in the program. And um, mm-hmm. the agreements have really, I think, helped people, um, even in, in terms of just living together and working together as a community. Um, yeah. I've really seen the agreements make such a difference in terms of people um, being impeccable with their word, in terms of being conscious of what they're saying uh, to themselves as well as to other people, um, using the word, for example, in the direction of truth and love, you know, versus using it um, to poison themselves or poison other people. Mm. You know, Good so, point. Good point. You know, so you know, we we've used it, you know, um, you know, and we've seen, you know, just the the benefit of it, you know, in terms of a real simple, practical guide, you know, for for day to day life. Um, be impeccable with your word. In other words, speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. Uh, the next one is don't take anything personally. It says nothers, nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstanding, sadness, and drama. Just with this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. And the last one is always do your best. It says your best best is going to uh, change from moment to moment. Uh, it will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any uh-huh. circumstance, simply do your best, and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. And these are, you know, really powerful uh, principles that uh, we've based the program on in terms of just giving people a very simple guide uh, to mm-hmm. work with on a daily basis. Charles Matthew, I think we have another caller. Okay. Three, two, three, you're on. Hello. Oh. Three, two, three. Uh, well, it is back. You decided to speak. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. All righty. Lamont, Lamont, yes, you're sir. just doing that, right? You're just making those noises and telling us there's people out there, right? <laughs> Oh no! I guess they, you know, I guess they want to say something, and I guess they get, you know, nervous or something, or had to go get a drink, and maybe they'll be back. 
I hope so. Tell them to come on back. That Charles has a really interesting um, idea to use these four agreements as part of a, a recovery program, and and uh, what you guys are saying it is is kind of unique. Um, how long have you been using it? Well, since we started the program, you know, um, about a year ago, um, and okay. and it's really we've seen since we've uh, put together the uh, four agreements and. You know, just all the you know the different dimensions. We have different dimensions of the process, um, and you know it's really worked well. You know, with giving people some real basic guidelines to begin mm-hmm. to live their life. So, um, we've seen the benefit of it right away in terms of how people are living. You know, we have uh, sober living as a part of our uh, community, and we've really seen like under challenging situations people were able to use the agreement and I, I would say have worked out a lot of differences and difficulties just following mm-hmm. the agreement. Well I I know that um a lot of clients that I work with in my practice the this whole idea of having integrity and saying what you mean and meaning what you say is a very powerful way to take charge of your life and I think once we start thinking about it that way um, I'm curious because you guys are using that because this might not be correct and this is an assumption I'm going to say and I know you guys are really sharp about that but my, my personal anecdotal experience or research into this is that drug addicts do a lot of lying and I mean Everybody who's in the program tells me that, and I've had a lot of experience with drug addicts in my family and also in my practice. And I'm curious: is do you think that that is a, a typical of drug addiction, or is it just something people have made up along the way? Well, I think, I believe me, I think that a lot of it is, is all made up because I think that's a part of the liberation, uh, as Nick was talking about earlier, about helping people actually get out of that particular. Consciousness, mm-hmm. um, because we encourage people to be mindful or be aware of what they're saying about themselves, as mm-hmm. well as what they're saying about others. Because, for example, if you know you identify yourself as a liar, then what do liars do? I mean, I mean, gentlemen, they I may have not understood. I may have not understood that question, Matthew. Did you ask him? That people with drug addictions lie. Yeah, I was asking him if they lie more than the average person. Is what's his opinion about it? Yeah, I think that I think that it's uh, a consciousness about lying, and I do I do believe that um, because it's addiction has a lot to do with hiding, and yeah. um, you know, and you know, doing things behind the scenes, and I think that a lot of that's where that conclusion has come from. But we try to help our clients get out of that particular thought, those particular thoughts about themselves, and that's the whole thing about being impeccable with your word. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in terms of speaking with integrity um, and practicing that, you know, on a, on a moment by moment, daily basis, we've seen people actually say, "Look, you know, the truth is I've been lying," and um, you know, and I realize that I, you know, if I'm going to get well, I'm going to have to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen people start to come out of the darkness of lies and deception 
and has oh, yeah. started to tell the truth, you know, which has been, you know, the cornerstone of, you know, beginning the recovery process. Well, that's a good seem point. Like, that's seem a like line. all of them would tend to think, uh, seem like all of them would be in, in, a, in a state of denial. At least the mm-hmm. few that I've ran into, they always have this thing that uh, they're not addicted, um, you know, they could handle it or um, they could quit at any time. Where does that yeah, well, come see, that's, from? Well, I think that's where the mind has become poisoned. You know, it's become poisoned by the illusion that, you know, you can actually hide, you know, in essence, hide from God. Um, you know, because I believe that, you know, whatever we um, project, you know, whatever we, any lie that we project actually gets reflected back to us. And I think that that's, you know, God's way of, you know, showing us, you know, that look at what you're doing, look how you're living. And, you know, the byproduct of that is misery, suffering for ourselves as well as other people. So um, even though we may try to hide it or try to, you know, pretend as if it's not going on, eventually, you know, it's like we have to face it, you know, judgment day, so to speak, Um, you know, where we actually have to face it. When you're doing your intake with your clients, I mean, have you had the experience where you had to go through a a brief period of uh, dealing with that until you can really, really get through to them and what your program has to offer? Well, I think initially the initial evaluations are at the surface, you know, and, you know, people say what they think you want to hear or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on like that. Uh, But as we start to connect, and, you know, we start to get down to the heart level. Uh, we start seeing people really opening up and starting to share the truth. And, you know, and in that moment, you know, people become vulnerable and they start uh, talking from a place of truth. Um, and, you know, it's I really believe in the human spirit. Um, I believe that it's very resilient. Um, and I try to hold that space for people so that, they can return back to that awareness or back to that understanding. Um, so I try to hold that, even though they may not see it at the time. Oh, okay. Gentlemen, I think we have another caller. 718, you're on. Yeah, hi. My name is Joan, and uh, I was uh, an ex-food addict. I was almost 400 pounds. That was my drug of, of choice. And I used food to isolate, and I had no interactions with people. I had to numb out my feelings because the pain that I lived with, I numbed out with food. So eating 3,000 calories a day was not a problem, you know, until I found uh, a program with Dr. Matthew Anderson about losing a weight through spirituality and finding out that the big hole in my heart was like in my soul, but could not be filled out with, with 10,000 calories a day. I just had this big hole, empty hole, and it just gave me so many character defects. But eating, every addiction, uh, addict has its character, comes at, uh, de- uh, defects of character. I don't know why, but it, it happens where we, we just don't see reality as normal, such normal people do, because... We're hiding behind a, a, a whole lifetime of pain, and uh, and we find ourselves abusing not only ourselves but 
not reacting to people in a proper manner. I used to be very confrontational, fighting with everybody, uh, and I and that really hurt me because, on the other hand, I became a people pleaser. So I didn't. My personality was damaged, and to get back to, to how how to relate to people, it takes a a lot of study with you guys. So what you're both doing is really wonderful. I lost 150 pounds so far through finding God because uh, Matthew had introduced me to God all over again. I became very agnostic. I was I was hating uh, what he'd done to me, what I felt he'd done to me, and why was I here? I couldn't believe in anything. So it's a whole ball game. It, it doesn't come overnight. Sometimes it takes a couple of years to really get what's going on, you know, and to get away and to get ourselves out of the way of our ourselves, you know, which is very difficult. So uh, I got to recommend uh, recommend you guys to everybody to to go to learn these lessons because it's now I can live my life as I as a normal person. I, I buy pretty clothes, I wear nice makeup, I go out and I dance and I go to senior citizens. So. So anyway, I just want to say thank you to uh, both of you who were involved in helping people in addictions because it's no joke. I lost 20, 30 years of my life uh, in addiction, you know, so you never get your life back for those years that are lost. But at least now I yeah. can, I'm, a, I'm Joe, alive now and I could help myself. So anyway, Joan, thank you. That, Joan, you've already told us what you did with your skillet. You started hitting your husband upside the head with it. Where's that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling, Joan. All right. Well, yeah, God, we, we remember what you said you started doing with your skillet. Charles, she said something. Charles, yeah, i got to go get him something. later. <laughs> okay. Joan, yeah. she said something I think is important, and it had to do with losing a piece of life. And I think that you know, we, we talk a lot about what happens to someone when they start seriously using it's about right. big pieces of their life go on hold. And can you talk about that a little bit? You know, I think that um, actually it disrupts uh, what we call the wheel of life. Um, it affects uh, every dimension on the wheel of life. And, um, mm. you know, the wheel of life, um, you know, is, is multidimensional. It, there's, the spiritual, there's the life partner, family, friends, money, career, leisure, and health. Um, and each of those dimensions uh, becomes disruptive or disrupted, you know, as a result mm-hmm. of the addiction. So people lose their friends, they lose their money, you know, it affects their career. Uh, they really don't have any um, leisure activities that are healthy. Uh, definitely it affects their health. If they're in an intimate relationship, uh, it affects their their marriage or their partnership, um, you know, family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you look at all those uh, dimensions, uh, those those dimensions become scrambled, I think, as a result of um, the addiction. You know, so oh, it does you know, affect each of those areas. But in the, in the center of the wheel is what she was talking about. Um, all of those, if you looked at them as circles, and there are spokes on a wheel. In the center um, is um, is a round circle that, you know, uh, all the, those areas are connected to. And that's, you know, in essence, returning back to God or returning back to source, um, which helps, I think, people reset, you know, all of those dimensions. It brings us back to, 
um, truth again, you know. And I, I, my belief mm-hmm. is that you have to go, you have to go deep before you go wide, which means that you have to let go of the outer world and you know trying to get satisfaction in the outer world and make that inner journey, um, you know, before you go back out again. So, um, you know, that's that's in essence a lot of our teachings as well. So. So you guys have a it, it sounds from what you're saying you guys have pretty big uh emphasis on uh, spirituality as part of the recovery program. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we and you know, it's not like um you know, it's more of a spiritual, it's a very spiritual program versus, you know, religious program. Um and we help people actually find that connection to source. Um, you know, to to their own inner truth, um, and you know, to begin to develop a relationship, you know, with that um, I call it the inner teacher, you know, the inner messenger, you know, the part of us that's guiding us in each moment. Yeah. Um, really beginning to listen to that, you know. So. Um, that well, relationship. I, I think it's a. I, I think it's a. It sounds like you would agree. Uh, I would agree with you that. I have a lot of clients over the years who who just do not have a sense of appreciation for spirituality in their lives, and I'm thinking that I guess we could find exceptions to the rule, but in general, it's pretty much impossible to to move into meaningful long-term recovery without having some kind of spiritual nurture, spiritual guidance, spiritual health. Uh, Would you agree with that? Well, I think we all, a lot of us suffer from what's called an, an existential type uh, issue. Uh-huh, yeah. And, you know, existentialism has a lot to do with um, um, man's search for meaning. And, um, like, who am I? And, you know, what is the significance of my life? And those are questions that really can't be answered, you know, just by the by pop culture or by you know, the, you know, social media, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, it's, yeah. it's really, a, it's a deeper issue. And I think that that, mm-hmm. until you make that inner journey and develop that deeper relationship with the source of who you are, um, then nothing else makes sense. In other words, it's like the whole, uh, all of it, you know, just seems yeah. to be, um, you know, useless in a lot of ways, um, unappealing, uh-huh. you know, so... I do think it is a call for us to, um, you know, return back, you know, to the source of who we are, you know, to the essence of who we are. Now, when you say the essence of the source, because you've used that word two or three times already, what you're talking about a divine source? Is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. Just I mean, another okay. way would be saying return to God. Um, okay. All right. You know, the reason we use source is because I see God as source. Um, it becomes, I think okay. a lot of times people may get caught up with semantics. Um, I think we can all agree that, you know, there's an essence of who we are. There's a source where it's all coming from, uh, even mm-hmm. though we may disagree in terms of um, how we categorize that or what name we give it. Um, okay. You know, I, I say source, you know, because I believe that God is the source of, of all of it, you know, the essence of all of it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, which you know it's beyond anything that we can quantify. Um, well, how do you how do you deal with people who come into your recovery program who say, "I'm okay with all this except the God stuff." Well, that's why I don't say God. You know, I give. I, well, I say you know things like <laughs> He's a source. 
okay source, you know, so we can all agree that there's something, you know, uh, beyond anything that we could quantify that um, is actually producing all this uh, Mm -hmm. that goes beyond just the rational, logical mind. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, I would say, you know, that's why I use the word source. And some people I'll say God, you know, I personally have come from a Christian background and, um, you know, so I, you know, I can, as I, you know, I can say source, you know, God very easily or, you know, in essence, you know, I think a place where we all can come together is, you know, in terms of the word source or essence, you know, the, the foundation of who we are, you know. So, so are you guys, do you use 12 step program or not? Cause you haven't used that phrase yet. Yes, we actually, um, that's the, uh, another very important dimension, uh, is the 12 steps. So okay. along with the, um, the clinical program, uh, which is a lot of what we've been talking about is a very strong 12 step community. So, um, what's been a nice marriage is the 12 steps along with these principles. So mm-hmm. the 12 steps have actually come into harmony uh, with the principles that they're getting, you know, during their uh, group healing events. So, their group healing so you have a you have another element called Tai Chi Do that you use as yeah. part of your program. Can you share what that is and what, how you use it? Yeah, Tai Chi Do um, was developed by, back in the early 70s. It was a process that came to me during meditation um, where I um, became aware of this process. I was a martial artist for a lot of years. Uh, studying different forms of martial arts and movement. But I wasn't interested in the martial aspect of it as much. I was more interested in um, the mind-body relationship, the movement of mm-hmm. life energy, what we call chi uh, mm-hmm. or spirit, um, through and the, the relationship between uh, chi or spirit and matter and how all that interfaces. And martial arts really became a, um, a good... Um, teaching environment to learn more about that along with a lot of, you know, teachers and, you know, various uh, practices I was in during the time. But the word Kai uh, means free and open. The word Chi, of course, is uh, spirit um, and Do is way. Uh, So it's the way of the free spirit or in essence, it's a way um, to release um, blocked energy or blocked spirit Mm -hmm. or blocked Chi from the body and the mind. So it's a form of movement and breath and exercise and um and um it's it's in essence it's like a, a moving meditation. Okay, um, so where, when uh, yeah. when when Nick was talking earlier, um mm-hmm. he said that you told him that he wasn't in his body. Mm-hmm. Is is that a process that you use to help him reconnect with his body? Yes, that's yeah, because it it basically involves the breath. Throughout the process, uh, okay. people are breathing. And people, when they're not breathing properly or, in essence, holding their breath, um, uh-huh. have kind of a state of derealization or like being out of their body. And mm-hmm. it becomes a chronic condition sometimes. People are like bracing, yeah. not, not breathing. So just by exactly. opening the breath up, it helps people to ground themselves and to be a little bit more... Um, you know, connected to their bodies and the and the physical experience. So, are there certain exercises you use to help people reconnect to breathing? Yes, yeah. Tai Chi Do is a, a beautiful method 
that allows people to have a great time and to begin to open their breaths up because we do it to pretty evocative, powerful music and breathing and, you know, everyone working together uh, rhythmatically uh, in terms uh-huh. of doing various movements and harmony with each other. Um, we have what's called chi circles and forward thrust and various movements to synchronize the group and kind of bring the group into harmony. Uh, and then there's a collective experience that happens where people are all breathing together and moving together, and we've seen some tremendous, uh, amazing healings take place as a result. Yeah, yeah I believe you. Yeah, it sounds pretty fun. cool. I think I'm going to have to come over there and join you guys for a while. Well, yeah. Be welcome, <laughs> sounds bro. good. For those people who are not aware, um, Tampa is on the west coast of Florida, and uh, where I am is on the east coast of Florida, and um, Lamont is on the actual west coast of the United States, so we got it covered today, right, Lamont? Well, if I was trying to hide somewhere, you'd have just told them where I was. <laughs> Charles, yeah. I'm convinced that, that Lamont is in witness protection. I'm telling you, he sneaks around a lot, so I don't know. Yeah. He's got to take care of a brother, all right? Yeah. Actually, a, he's, a, he's a calling very, the brother out. He's a very – yeah, call him out. Call him out. He's he's pretty uh, he's pretty public though. Actually, I mean he's all <laughs> over the airways and the, the movies and TV. He is everywhere. He's amazing. So, so I think this thing about breathing is really interesting. Um, I have clients that I work with who have such a hard time doing diaphragmic breathing and breathing deep into their bodies. And they often are people who suffer from anxiety and this not breathing really contributes to, to experience of anxiety. I'm sure you, you teach people that Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Anxiety. That's one of the causes of anxiety is that people aren't breathing. Uh, People are holding their breath and, you know, Uh the anxiety really is the uh, body signal you know, that, that you're not breathing, that it's not getting what it needs in terms of proper oxygenization. You know, the body's not being, um, you know, oxygenized the way it should. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, um, the breath is, is so important in terms of opening up that tension mm-hmm. that, I'm, you know, I can yeah. feel that a lot of people have it going on in the center of their chest, you know, and everything is bottled up, you know. So when you breathe, you begin to open that up, you know, so that, you know, you can get that circulation again. You can get, you know, everything uh-huh. starts to get purified in the system and so on and so forth. Yeah, so the breath well, is there, very important. I had one more question I think I got here about um, submission and surrender. You're talking about the difference between that. Could you talk a little bit about what's the difference for those two words, submission and surrender? Um, submission um, has a lot to do with, um, trying to control the outcome. You know, when people are trying to control the outcome or the what will be, um, you know, they're um, you know they're usually in a state of um, submission, or they're doing it because they feel they have to do it, not because they want to do it. If you want to do it and you really surrender, um, because you totally give it over and you're not fighting or pushing anymore, you know that's surrender. If you're doing it because you feel you have to do it. 
um, you know, then then there's always resistance. When you're in submission, you know, you're always resentful, and you know, there's resistance. Um, mm-hmm. And when people and people feel trapped when they're um, submitting, uh, and when people feel trapped, they either try to um, avoid, uh, they try to escape, or they try to get even. You know, so you know, when people feel trapped, there's escape, avoid, and get even. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's usually coming out of being in a state of of submission. You know, you're doing it because you feel you have to do it. But there's acting out. There's negative consequences to that. Uh, where when you surrender, then you're then you're really allowing. You're in a state of allowing at that point. Um, submission has a lot to do with um, with with knowledge. Where uh, surrender has a lot to do with wisdom. So when you're in a state of of um, surrender, then God is able to speak to us uh, in the moment, providing us exactly with with what we need. When we're um, in submission, you know we're um, we're we're basically trying to control the show. We're trying to control the outcome, and in um, that that you know, gets us trapped, I think, each time. And, um, you know, like God and the devil walking down the street and they see a shiny object, and God just acknowledges as being true. And the devil says, you know, give it to me. Let me organize it. Let me put it into categories. Let me sell it on Wall Street. Charles, real quick, let me throw something in there. I know we're getting short on time. But I know we spoke a lot about um, um, spirituality and stuff. What happens uh, when an atheist walk in there that don't believe in God that has a drug addiction? How do how do you approach that? Well, I think when you know someone, for one thing, we one of the things I think that helps you know people is to there are two big uh, dynamics that's a part of the program. One is attachment to the outcome, and the other one is letting go of attachment to um, being overly identified with the actor. Like, we try to get people out of the label, like, I'm an atheist, I'm a this, I'm a that. Um, We basically support people in having the experience and coming to their own conclusions. Um, And the program is designed that way, where, you know, their natural awakenings take place in the program where people come to their own conclusions. It's not like we're trying to get them to do it our way or whatever. Uh, the only thing we ask people to do is just to do the process and then come to your own conclusion. So we don't even get into, you know, like, you know, debate or, you know, in terms of what people believe or, or don't believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really support people, I think, in coming to their own conclusion, uh, which frees us up from that conflict of, you know, you need to believe in God, you need to believe in this or that. Um, but what we've seen is that people start to actually embrace God. They embrace um, you know, something uh, beyond what they can understand or quantify. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're seeing that every day, and that's, you know, so exciting, you know, m- no matter what they believe, you know. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Charles. I just ahead, had to throw that one in. No, I just thank Charles. No, it was a good that question. That kind of hit me. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> a good question. I, I'm glad you asked it. I thought it was great. I, I, I think that recovery uh, programs – and 12-step programs, recovery, AA, NA, what you guys are doing is 
really and truly one of the most amazing examples of legitimate, authentic spiritual experience that's available to people really in in this country today in a way that doesn't have creeds and doesn't have rigid rules about what you have to believe. And it's amazing to be connected to people in that kind of program and see deep spiritual experience changing people's lives and feel it. And people who have different kind of perspectives on it can get together and support each other in a way that I I remember having meetings um, when I was in Hawaii years ago uh, with other clergy, and we'd talk about how we couldn't go to each other's churches to have communion because they had all these rules about it. And um, it was just so many problems like that. And the recovery uh, recovery system or programs in America have this, I, I assume it's true outside of America, but I don't have experience of it there, is really incredible in terms of, Spiritual authenticity is truly amazing to me, and uh, I'm sad that not everybody can participate in that. You know, you have to have an addiction, admitted addiction or alcohol problem to be part of it. I, you know, I. No, you don't. That's the just, thing. Is that's why that's why a lot of people have a huge Kaichidel community, um, who, um, you know, instructors. I have instructors like all over the globe. You know. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of people practicing and, you know, living this lifestyle. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, the the recovery community is a dimension of it because it's true to my heart. And, uh, you know, I've been involved in it for the past 35 years. But um, it's, um, you know, it's it's available to everyone, you know, and that's why we're continuing to grow and expand and, and really share our light and our vision with the world because, um and we're reaching out, and I'm reaching out at this point, um, you know, kind of bringing it just out of the – I've been bringing it over the last 15 years out of just the treatment environment and beginning to share it with uh, the general public or people in general. So, um, around the world. so you know, it's, it's available, and, you know, we're starting to grow. We're starting to wake up and become more of a part of social consciousness. So uh, these principles are, you know, beginning to expand that's cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's um yeah, and it's it's beautiful to have um outlets, you know, to be able to speak to a variety of people, you know, who are we're all we're all in this together. You know, we're all dealing with this together, you know, we're dealing with um, you know, day to day reality, day to day experiences and um you know, our perspective is that we're all family. You know, and um, you know we're all communities, so um, you know everyone is welcome to come and join and be a part of it. You know, well, you 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 must be like Lamont and me that you are. You sound a lot younger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been around. I've How been old you? The for you know, you know, for sixty years. Yeah. How old are you? Sixty. I don't know why. Why, Matthew? 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 Yeah. We're gonna have to put you on timeout. Why do you keep putting people on blast? That man might not want you to be telling the world his age. He came on the wrong program, man. If he wants to hide <laughs> from stuff, he's talking about not hiding. You know. I apologize, y'all. I don't me, know why he, he told me so I could much. ask him any question no, that I wanted. It's to. being it's he being authentic, brother. You know, <laughs> I it's telling it's telling the truth. <laughs> 
So, you know, I've been on the planet, you know, for quite yeah, a few ask years. Ask Lamont how old he is and see what he says. Lamont, what old are you, Lamont? I refuse to answer that on the grounds that I may tend to incriminate myself. Uh, on this program, I'll go. <laughs> I knew you were program, brother. I knew he Matthew. Was <laughs> Matthew, Charles, what? <laughs> tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. I'm not listening to Matthew anymore. Um, you know, they can, um, you know, actually, um, you know, basically give us a call at um, Claim Recovery Centers, um, you know, and, um, you know, and I don't know if, uh, you know, you have our website information. Will that be posted on the uh, site? Yes, sir. Where'd he go? You're going to post his information on the site. Oh, right? absolutely. It, it'd be in iTunes. It'd be on all the podcasts. It'd be available worldwide in less than a minute. So most definitely, it'll definitely be available for Charles. You guys are located here. in Tampa, right? Yeah, we're located uh, actually, um, yeah, in um, Tampa. Um, you know, our um, phone number is one eight 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 three three zero two five three two, and that's our general number. Uh, yes, and it's Clean Recovery Centers in um, in Tampa. So if somebody and, uh, Googled Clean Recovery Centers in Tampa, they wouldn't have any trouble finding you guys. No, they just put in Clean Recovery right. Centers, um, Addiction Treatment Center, uh, but Clean Recovery Centers in Tampa, and you'll see us uh, listed. So um, we we pop right up there. So um, you can reach out, and you know we have um, people on call that um, will be available to answer questions and support people. Great. In, uh, connecting with the program. Wonderful. Charles, it's been great having you on the show today. Thank you for all the really valuable information you shared, and it sounds like you got a pretty exciting, interesting, innovative program going on over there. I wish you well. We, we, we Thank you so much. You uh, have tons of people that, that uh, go through that. sounds like a really helpful process. You know, we're starting to see more and more people coming, I think, as we um, – you know, start to reach out, you know, we're starting to really see a lot of people getting excited about coming through the program and getting involved in what we have to offer. And, you know, thank you for your work and in terms of getting the word out there to people and all that you guys do as well. So really appreciate it. You're welcome. Definitely, definitely. And thanks again from uh, Can I Play a Play, Charles. All right, Ben. So, um, beautiful. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, so uh, maybe we'll um, touch base in the future and, um, you know, continue to, um, you know, work work with each other. I mean, it sounds like a nice, nice work that you guys definitely, do also. Definitely. Maybe, maybe you can help Lamont get over his fear of how old he is. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we can set up an individual <laughs> session for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be good. Now, see, I'm going to have to tell Lamont. Charles the truth. Charles... My addiction yes, is sir. black walnut ice cream now. I All right, brother. All right, we got a program to it. We got a program for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work it out.
what does it take to transform health throughout all our neighborhoods here in L.A. County? Well, we have to look at health differently. We need to recognize living conditions as health conditions, from hunger to homelessness. That's why, as the nation's largest community-inspired health plan, L.A. Care is more than just a card in your pocket. We're elevating health care here in the City of Angels. L.A. Care, for all of L.A. LACare.org. 